Welcome to what is this podcast. My name is Pepper Five. My name is Victor. And we are at the Ongea Summit 2020. Yeah, we are joined by Mwalimu Greg Tendwa. Where yeah. does Mwalimu come from in, in your name? I'm a teacher by profession. I just chose not to go and teach in high school. Mm-hmm. So I decided to teach in the school of life. And wow. what, being at Ongea, what do you think about the music industry in Kenya and what it's where it's going with such forums and so on and so forth? Well, that's, uh, that's slightly broad, but if I would narrow it down is I congratulate Ongea for doing this for 15 years now, 10 years as Kenya Music Week, five years as Ongea. It's never really easy to pull anything in this country, especially with no uh, financing. Uh, you have to depend on corporate sponsorship and all, and all that. So I think they've done a great job. And two is um, Ongea is a, is a platform that has tangible impact. I do think that there's, a, there's an opportunity for them to collect stories of impact, uh, you know, stories of change or stories of uh, people that have benefited from this particular platform. Uh, considering that it's one platform, the one and only platform of its, its, its type, I personally have benefited in the last two, three years uh, from a few things. One is... In 2018, I came here and met a guy called DJ Mura. DJ Mura? Yeah, mm-hmm. DJ Mura. And I had been seeing him online, and I had, I really liked his work. Um, and uh, we just kept on chatting and chatting. And uh, when I popped in on 2018 and I met him, um, you know, we, we sort of had a conversation that led us to me inviting him to come and be an intern in one of my projects that I was producing, which was the Benga Bell Volume 1 album. Uh, and he came down to Machakos in May, worked with us, and then I started a studio in Rongai, and then he came and joined us and started working with us. And towards the end of last year, which is 2019, uh, you know, he joined me as a partner in the label because of his ability, abilities and contribution. That's just one of the stories, for example, of why this forum is an important one. But also beyond that, this year I'm about to strike two deals with Shea Publishing uh, for my record label, as well as uh, you know Orchard Music for distribution. Uh, that's also significant. And this year I also hosted a um, I also hosted a, a panel on the use of art for social change. So activism. Yeah, this year I'm about to sign those two deals, which I think is uh, progressive. Um, and I do think that this uh, forum, or Ongea in itself, you know, uh, provides much more opportunities than just striking those deals. Networking is important, sharing of information is, 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 uh, is important, and also you guys and the content that you're creating because of this platform. And what, what is it about the stories that come from Ongea and inspiring the younger generation of musicians being that you, I wouldn't say that advanced in age, but you're well up there and have experience in the industry. And see, you have seen some of the pitfalls that um, young musicians especially encounter in terms of music, uh, intellectual property more so. How does such a forum engage artists and, and what part do you play in mentoring them in ensuring that the future generation is well informed to tackle the challenges of the industry? Um. For you to understand how we got here as a country, you have to look at what the 80s did to the arts. 
there was definite state censorship uh, happening. There was less attention given to the arts. Um, for some of us who were in the older system of 844, we were able to do arts subjects and, and, and you know, and, and participate fully and happily in all the music and dance festivals that happened in the country. Um, where else there was no guarantee that there would be a career progression. I think some of us picked from that experience and started to build uh, an ecosystem around it. Why am I saying this is because Ongea does provide an, an, an avenue for alternative education. A lot of musicians and art practitioners today are self-taught. And therefore, you have to go out and find the information. You have to go out and find the people that will educate you because there's no state institutions that are happily doing that or are progressively doing that, uh, that you can tell me of, you know? Um, so it being an educational platform, I do think it plays a critical role on that one. Um, in the last 10 years, I've worked with so many artists and musicians, especially in trying to mentor them to see and approach different markets or to repackage themselves or to add their, you know, to add value on themselves. One of these artists is Makadem. When I met Makadem, he didn't uh, know much about electronic music or how, um, how to really interface without losing his identity as a big machine phantom power. Yeah. And uh, working together for several years, <clears throat> he now is able to travel the world and play with DJs and producers and to perform uh, in places where, you know, this, this, this particular type of music is appreciated. And I do think that is only... Uh, as a result of long hours of mentorship, connecting to the right people, uh, you know, spending time in studio trying to design the sound and, and the aesthetics and just making these connections happen. So, um, you don't mind me asking, how did you meet with Makadem? How did you get to meet Makadem? Well, one is, I'm, you know, I'm a DJ. Yeah. So, I have an ear for good sounds mm. and I have an ear for sporting just not an ear, even an eye for sporting talent from 10 miles away. And I met Makadem at a time when I used to hang out at a club called Sipas in Hallingham. And he was introduced to me by his producer, who is Tabo Susa from Ketable Music. Mm -hmm. That's the personal introduction. I had known him from the streets, but you know. Um, and so it was just out of a friendly chat and conversation. Oh, what is it that you're doing? What is it that you're doing? Personally, me, I'm interested in DJing. I collect music. I archive. I remix music, I, you know, and then I part of your music is stuff that I've been given from Ketable. So the reason I asked that question is because uh, we're seeing a lot of upcoming new sounds in the Nairobi space, like the new Nairobi sound, uh, Afrofuturistic sounds, and even the DJs are coming up with their own mixes, their own production, and they're trying to reach new markets. Yes, yes, they've saturated the urban um, Kenyan like through gigs, through alchemists, jays, and all that, and they're trying to reach the sounds to go international. So someone like Kate, um, Makadem, you met through the producer. So what will you tell an artist who's trying to break through to reach uh, new heights? And he's probably trying to look for um, a, mentor. a mentor, someone like you. Wow, it's difficult because uh, actually all those sounds that you mentioned or all that whole effort, uh, it traces back to a project that I did in 2013-14 called Santuri, mm. uh -huh. Santuri East Africa. It was a project that I created together with a DJ mm. uh, who's based in Berlin right now. And it was basically uh, to get people to interact with authentic sounds mm -hmm. from around 
Kenya and East Africa. Uh, part of the people that were touched by that project include Makadem, the EA Wave crew, Suraj, uh, the Midi Minds crew, that's Dylanes and, and all that. Like some of the people who are making the most progressive music today were part of that project mm. at the very beginning. And that's just Kenya. There's also others in East Africa. Now, there's a lot of information currently available out there that somebody can actually read at a personal level. But if you're really looking for mentors, these are some of the people that you have to strike a relationship with. Because our whole idea of running this project was to build other people who would become a resource to the industry, right? Yeah. And that resource includes linking you up with what you might need and where you might need it. Because this was just one project that mm. changed so much across East Africa. I do not have the capacity, right now I'm running a record label, I do not have the capacity to actually take on another project of such magnitude and and no institution has come up to be interested. I have negotiated with a few in terms of starting a mentorship program for music, but nobody sees the point at this, uh, at this point in time. So I would imagine connecting with some of the people. I do think for mentorship, you have to look at who is the person that you, you look up to most and then go sit down with them. Now, mm -hmm. and, and, and be patient because they have their hands full, you know? And young, you know, a lot of our young musicians don't have the patience. Mm. I sat down with Tabuo Susa, who I consider to be my mentor in music, for four years. Four good years. Buying tea, buying coffee, yeah. looking for him. Where are you? Can we sit together? I need advice on this. You get, huh? Yeah. In order to be mentored, to actually be able to call myself a music producer. Mm. This is the guy. And for those four years, you have, I mean you have to have the patience you have to be the one to look for these people you have to be the one to make you know to ask them to make time not for them to make time and and for you not to turn up and that kind of stuff and i do think this is a model that we can work with until mm. a time when we can find another one yeah. i mean I, I i don't think uh we can blame the younger musicians because we live in a world of instant gratification where like i post a song on soundcloud it can go viral just like that so probably they might not understand something such as social ca uh, capital, where mentorship is social capital, and the mentor you have might have 100,000 people or a network that can benefit them. So um, programs such as mentorship from a person who's in a different level of career uh, is really important to the artist. However, also the fact that these are young people who are energetic and hot-blooded should also be factored in in the whole landscape of it all that's very true but yeah. one of the things uh, let me give you a live example yes i found mora to be very cooperative very teachable very very you get like yeah. like very dedicated and that's why it's been easy to work within a year to completely flip and get even a whole new musical ep out you understand you don't find that with a lot of the, the young people you know and i don't want to be critical mm -hmm. or, or or to show that it's not happening but the one thing that a mentor needs to begin with is teachability are you teachable you get it yeah. are you teachable or do you come with ego and preconceptions of how good you already are you get it mm. now the, the second thing is your dedication you get it are you available at the time that you promise that you are uh, available for for, uh, for the assignment at hand and I think uh, you know sort of above, above all is you 
the more you trusted with and you make good use of it the more you'll be given mm, with great power comes great responsibility absolutely yes mm-hmm. so the more you seen to perform the more responsibilities you'll be entrusted with opening more opportunities for you to learn you mentioned uh, suraj and dilanes and the midi minds kenya movement and their recent project sounds of suburb which is in essence a collection of an authentic kenyan sound and um, mashed with let me say a foreign concept of electronic dance music yeah. my question is in terms of creativity how do we as a culture as a people how do we maintain our authenticity in the sense of i'll record the vocals from the ma community and from the kikuyu community and from the coastal tribes and then be able to not tribes communities and be able to make that sound be able to mash together how do we do that without losing our identity well there's two ways um you could look around it one is um the concept of who you are mm. you get like how you authentically grounded in the stuff that you're talking about i grew up listening to benga music so when i play benga music i'm not pretentious or okay. trying to yeah. it's in me mm-hmm. i feel it i know it you get so anytime I, i i have to interface with a foreign object a foreign sound or anything this is my first dna yeah so i will exert it onto that as good as you you get i will exert it on that as good as i know it mm-hmm. so getting yourself like really rooted and grounded in whatever it is now the second strategy is called immersion mm-hmm. go and learn the people's culture go be with them go understand before you start to exploit on anything please spend time understanding what are the nuances of this culture what are they so that by the time you come and create an intermix of two cultures then at least you know what are the boundaries you can go and what you can't yeah. even in recording that music please do not just think that the lyrical content is fine you could actually be playing a funeral song mm. like i did this in uh, in uganda i there was a song that sounded so good and i went to dj it somewhere in gulu and the club went in an uproar and i was like what's going on so i was told to get the song out yeah so when i questioned after i was told this was a song which was sung uh by by a community during genocide oh mm. yeah cultural insensitivity exactly. <laughs> yeah and for me it sounded so good mm-hmm. and i was like you go the people i'm coming to yeah. to play you music that you don't know and they're like you can't do that it mm. reminds them of, you know yeah. yeah so how do you immerse yourself to get culturally grounded beyond beyond just the sounds mm-hmm. is like like the lyrics at least you have an idea or even if not the lyrics the context yeah. through which that that music was recorded and played we were speaking uh, just earlier we were speaking to Martin the CEO of Mdundo and he said that from his starts Kenyan Kenyans consume local music local being mostly Kenyan and within the African region with seeing you have been in the industry for a long time and the conversation at least at the, somewhere last year that surrounded play ke music like he's mentioned it as a as something that only occurred in the urban space because Kenyans do listen to their own music do you think we as a culture as a consuming culture have to change our ways or is what's the disconnect between us and seeing very successful mainstream acts especially 
It's, it's, it's an attitude question, mm. to be very honest. I mean, beyond there being legal instruments that promote 60% Kenyan content, I mean, we are all fighting for the commercial space, yeah. truth be told. Mm -hmm. the, the, the local radios or the local, uh, the, the radios that speak in local language are not having this conversation or these problems. Yeah. And the artists who are distributing their content through those radios are not bothered by this. We are fighting for the urban commercial space that is filled with all manner of interests, mm -hmm. from capitalism to gatekeeping to corruption to uh, actually the wrong people even lead in the industry, people who have no cultural grounding or who have no expertise in that area. Celebrities became radio managers and mm. radio presenters, mm -hmm. and they have zero um, training in, 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 in journalism yeah. or the aesthetic, or, you know, the, or, the, or the ethics of it and that mm. kind of stuff. And why I argue that this is, a, this is, an, this is, an, this is a, an attitude question is, do we want to go for the money or do we want to go for the culture? Mm. And the, the, the streets will validate you, me, I go for the money, but that's fine. Yeah. But then do you, does your conscience bother you that you are actually becoming a vessel of capitalist interest and you have nothing to show yeah. for yourself in terms of culture? Is it, is it really an either or situation? Like it's either culture or money or you can, it's a Is there a balance? It's not, is, yeah. You, you, you can create a balance, but you have to have a certain level of conscience to get there. Okay. You get, and mm -hmm. that's, that's what I feel we lack. You get, eh? That balance yeah. where, you know, where you can create social responsibility and balance it with profitability. Yeah. You get, where you're conscious about, it's a matter of conscience and conscience is relative. You know, it's not an either-or situation, as you rightfully mentioned it. Mm. It is possible to balance both from a perspective that is commonly called a social enterprise, where indeed you're making money, but you're also not causing more damage to the environment or the people who are around you. Okay. You're very keen about the social needs. And that was, that's what I think our corporate culture has lacked. It believes in, lack, like, let's make profit first, then come and buy guilt out of supporting one or two projects out there instead of perhaps integrating social responsibility as part of their work. Like, before you bring music for me to play in studio, is it registered with MCSK? Is it registered with Prisk? Are you getting paid for the royalties that are coming through? You know what I'm saying? Yes. That's the personal responsibility, but it's built out of conscience, for example. Speaking of social enterprises, you were co-founder of Century East Africa. Yeah. And how far has that project come along in terms of what you were trying to achieve in the about seven years that you have been in existence? It's come... It's, it's done exemplary well. Mm. We set it out as a social enterprise, not for profit did fundraising to enable us to do the workshops and the, uh, the workshops and um, and the performances and the collaborations recording the albums uh, collaboratively with Europe and other countries. And we had really wanted to see how do these networks develop in themselves and start to, you know, to run the industry that has come to pass. We wanted to see music from East Africa have a distinct sound and that's how you see even projects like Sound of Sasab yeah. and, and remixes done by Gondwana about Makadem and other songs coming into life. Mm -hmm. That's part of the impact that yeah. we're talking about. Mm -hmm. You see a free flow of DJs and musicians from around East Africa and the electronic house music direction, you know? Yeah. That's what we were looking for. You see 
stages like uh, Saudi Zabusara today mm -hmm. start to program DJs to do the sundowners and the after parties. Yeah. When we did the first one in 2013, it was chaos. Two people. We, yes, we were being <laughs> kicked. You know, we were, yeah. we were being like, uh, what, what, you, you're, you're spoiling the festival. And mm. we were like, we're going to stick into this because this is where the world is going, but you don't see it. Yeah. Now we see that there's a whole program of DJs doing sundowners and doing mm -hmm. after parties and that kind of stuff. So I would say from a social impact perspective, we've achieved way more and we're right now reconfiguring for the next five years because what we what we sort of do is I sit down and figure out what is it that we need to do in five years or what what is the image that we want to achieve in five years what's five years gonna look like then now we sit down today and we start to calculate the steps that we need to make in each of the years together and then by five years we're done with that we, we probably focus on something else being that you are a record label executive what what solution do you have for, from both you dealing with your artists and also a practitioner in the whole industry in general, what problem do you, what solution would you say, or what, what is the biggest problem and what do you think the solution is to the challenges that face artists in general in this country? Wow, the problems are many, mm -hmm. but the one that I want to single out is, um, the lack of being culturally rooted, like grounded. Mm -hmm. It's a big problem. Yeah. And why am I saying this is because um, the future of Africa is going to be determined by its cultural and creative exports. Mm -hmm. The intellectual property made out of years and years of curating culture, whether musically, and if you look at the superpowers of Africa, the countries, it's, they, they emerge musically great. Yeah. South Africa, mm -hmm. Nigeria, Ghana, Ghana, you know. Egypt. Yeah. North Africa is also doing North Africa as well, yeah. you know. But music. And even Ethiopia, our neighbors. Distinct. It's yeah. culture. Mm -hmm. You know, it's culture that they're exporting. It's their food. It's their fashion. It's their, you get. Our disadvantage here has been that we're not grounded. Yeah. And that is the biggest <laughs> And that is the biggest input that you bring to any creative process. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you are just an instrument. You're just an instrument. You get it? That anything that comes, goes. So I do think that that's... If I would find money to invest, I would invest it in cultural education. Mm -hmm. Because once we get that right, we will get it right, not just for Kenya, but for the rest of the world. Yeah. Because today, nobody will book you to go and play hip-hop in the UK mm. to sound like an American. Mm -hmm. we were on this podcast, we had um, Eugene, who's also a fellow podcaster from Out the Bull. Shout out to Eugene. And one of the things he identified as a problem in, in, in Kenya, especially modern day in, in our mainstream, is, for example, we see with Nigeria, a banner boy who is heavily influenced, the style of music from the high-life genre and Felakuti, and you go down south, they have their, um, what's it called? Their, their music, Kwaito, and it's influencing the modern sound today. Yeah. Is, is that true? Because I hear you speaking about the cultural grounding. Where, where did that disconnect come in? Because I feel like we had a sound. We had the biggest uh, studios in, in Eastern Central even, Africa. Even Africa, yes. maybe, at some point Tanzanian in time. Tanzanian artists were coming to record at Ogopa. Yeah, as in, yes. even, as soon as 20 years ago, what... What was the disconnect that our sound from the Daudi Kabakas did not carry over 
into being integrated into modern music. As I've mentioned before, the institutions that were set to do this have failed. If you go to the National Museum today, you don't find a single archive of musical works. If you go to the National Archives, you don't find a single archive of any musical works. Yeah. If you go to KBC where they were stored, they've all been stolen. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So what do we do without an institutional memory to begin with? Oh. Where do we begin? Mm. Right? Mm. And 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 that if you ask for me, that's that's where it's filled and I'm glad that you guys are doing this because what you're recording today here will be the history that children twenty years from now will be listening to yeah. to try and reconnect with their past. Mm -hmm. Right, yeah. but there's there's no library of Kenyan music mm. anywhere mm -hmm. that you can go to. Yeah, it's only what what our father, our father and our uncles tell us. Yes, it's what you grew up to. Yeah. For me, I grew up to KBC, mm -hmm. and I grew I grew up to KBC, and I grew up to uh, to Benga and Rumba, and that's what I share today. Yeah. <laughs> as yeah. as my roots mm -hmm. of of where I've come from, mm -hmm. and the rest is self education and self exposure. You know, so. Without also blaming the government a lot on that side, I do think that there's also been a disconnect on the side of individuals who've wanted to bring change or even who have invested in, in projects or programs yeah. to sort of fill in the gap. But the argument has also been that they end up being gatekeepers mm. instead of exposing this to the public in a way that like mass learning, you know, like let's educate everyone. They've grown to positions of power where they've become... I'm just a gatekeeper here, yeah. and so for you to get anything from me, you have to either pay or do me favors, so that you know, not with a bigger interest at heart, that mm. that uh, that we need to educate. Um, that's what I would think. So I I want as we wrap up, what are the, what does the next what do the next ten years look like for Malimu Greg and for the Kenyan music industry? Well, I can't talk about the Kenyan music industry because mm -hmm. it's. Uh, I, I don't drive it yeah. entirely, but mm -hmm. I do see certain things happening that are exciting. Mm -hmm. um, the signing of um, Saudi Soul by Universal mm -hmm. uh, lifts the dark cloud that we don't have a star out of Kenya. Yeah, they're about to be very big. Yeah, that that's good. That's yeah. that's a and 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 what sometimes you need, and if people are wise or if we are wise, is once the gate is open. Once the gates have opened, we all need to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because we finally have an opportunity. Yeah. You understand? Yes. But that's not how we work. Mm. It's another Kenyan thing. <laughs> Everybody feels good paddling their own little boat. Yeah. And it is very difficult for me to come out and support you publicly because I, instead I will criticize you mm -hmm. so that people start to believe in my little boat that it is the story yeah. that we're talking about. I do feel the Saudi Soul movement in that direction does open a gate from, from where we can actually even begin with a retrofuturist exploration of the 80s mm. from fashion to music and create a whole new journey through banger, yeah. soul, funk, because all that stuff was there in the 80s mm -hmm. and concrete. Yeah. And if we retune to 40 years back and start to grow the way they've captured a new sound direction of rumba, I'm working with a group called uh, Akafellas, yeah. Maga and Yaba. They're going to be staging a whole new dimension of Rumba as well. It's not because of Saudi Soul, but we're also riding on the success of Saudi Soul because mm. we've been working on this sound for four years okay. now. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm, I'm creating a new dimension in the sense that they perform it live on Ableton and Native oh. Instruments, mm. four-piece band. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Oh, that's interesting. It's, yeah, it's a whole new dimension. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in creating bands for the future now. Yeah. Like, uh, are you an artist? Are you grounded in some perspective? Do you need technology? Uh, do you need a place to work with? Uh, can we sign a, an understanding that we can sort of work together? Mm. So that's my next project, Red Acafellas. Um, and then... Uh, for me, it's expanding this record label because I didn't sign to actually one day be a record executive. Mm. Uh, I, I found myself here by accident. <laughs> so I need to teach myself a lot more. Yeah. So, and I want to export a lot of content out of Kenya um, into, in, into the world. That's uh, why you're signing the share publishing deal. That's why I want to sign the share yeah. publishing and the Orchard deal very clean and very clear from the very beginning so then as as because i've invested quite a lot and never earned anything back yeah tell, tell us a bit about uh the t-shirt you're wearing benga together benga together is a oh my god i've been talking about projects 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 <laughs> benga <laughs> together is uh is an is another is another project that i've been working on yeah. let's say four years now mm-hmm. and uh i need i thought in the whole argument of there not being a kenyan sound and all that kind of stuff Nobody was doing anything enough to create an argument for people. And Spearheading. Yes. yes. And so I thought, uh, Benga is the only music from Kenya that is shared by four or five communities and no any other music. Mm. Benga is shared by the Luos, the Kalenjins, the Kikuyus, the Kambas, the Kisses. I didn't know that. Did you they, know that? They, yeah, well, the musical elements and the I should read yeah. the shades of Benga book. Yeah, yes. the drums and the guitar especially. Yes, absolutely. How they pick the guitar is yeah. mostly the same. Do you know how that happened? I, please. In that happened in River Road. Mm. <laughs> ah, really? Okay. Because, yes, because all the artists were traveling to come and record at River Road. Mm-hmm. The River Road we know today. The River Road you know today. That's where the studios were. Still are. Still are. Uh, yeah. So you would be a Kamba artist coming to record there, but your session musicians would be Luo and any other mm-hmm. people. Yeah. So the influences that they put in the Luo guitars, they are the same influences that they would put in your Kamba music. They're all the same that they would put in. And so it just started to grow out of there, and then you go home, and it's so nice. I can play you Kisi Benga that sounds so much as Kamba Benga yeah. today. You know. So I did my research, and I realized... There's no other genre of music that is shared in Kenya by any more communities than Benga. Mm-hmm. Tell me which, if you know. Maybe, I'll say the, the coastal region. But, but Mijikenda. Yeah. Outside of Mijikenda, who else plays their Chaka genre? Chaka and... Who? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fair enough. So I identified from Kisumu through the western side of Kenya, through central Kenya, through eastern Kenya, there's something called a Benga belt, mm. potentially. Okay. So working with that, I put together a group of artists from all these tribes mm-hmm. and created a performance format that we'll be showcasing tonight at 8 o'clock. I hope you come. We'll be there. That tells that story. Mm-hmm. And my argument is one. This is our Kenyan sound. This is Kenyan dance music. This is a national face of Benga that is not based on the idea of tribes. Yeah. It is, it is the melting pot of that diversity. Mm-hmm. That's Benga together. Wow. Well understood. So as we as we finish, one of the main predominant questions is we like to share our music. And what is Mwalimu Greg listening to? The playlist. The playlist. What's what's in your playlist right now? Wow. A very difficult question because one, <laughs> I'm a DJ. Yes, and DJs <laughs> don't really have a playlist, but yes. Mm-hmm. So there is um outside your professional 
just like when you when you wake up when you wake up what is the what is what what do you go to currently right now i am um, it also depends on the mood Definitely. right now i'm in a genre from ghana called high life Everyone is listening Ghana. Uh, yeah, because even that's Martin what Martin told us. Like listening, oh, to, listening to underground to, uh, Ghana, Ghana hip hop. Yes. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. The, the Renaissance <laughs> began there. Mm. To be honest. Yeah. The African Renaissance began in Ghana. Uh, okay. There's a lot of good quality music of the 60s and the 70s with the emergence of the the band, the band setup that was recorded then. <laughs> it is very storyful. It's very intense. And and when I when I when i need to unwind and break like if i'm going for a swim or i'm going for a run or i'm going to this is the music that i put in there and i i just feel like africa as it sounded in the 60s mm-hmm. and and you know that that for me is liberating because mm-hmm. i'm i'm working on projects that are about like the liberation of the african mind and so just going back to listen to those sounds puts me in the space of independence what 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 was the mood like what were people you know the music is very calm it's less aggressive than no, but don't, 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 like like yeah. the kind of <laughs> stuff you, you hear today that is driven by drugs and lsd and all you know mm-hmm. yeah. and all that it it is it is very soulful it's very calm it's very nostalgic it's very you know and while listening to that music i process a lot of things yeah. i process my ideas and arguments around pan african liberation uh culture the place of culture in society the place of culture in 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 empowerment the place of culture in emancipation and and all that kind of stuff as as a parting shot this has been a very interesting and informative conversation i'd really like to have you on the podcast for a full hour without any commitment ideally we do longer sessions we do longer sessions this this from what i can see this will have gone on for about an hour and even two hours maybe So thank you so much for stopping by. Not a problem. Maybe next time and it, we have to plan this really well yes. is that I can DJ for you as part of the podcast sure, so no, that no, I can no back some of the stuff that I'm talking out with like yeah. real selections that can get we'll, we'll definitely again, plan and, that. and connect to the young people to ideas yeah. and stuff. Thank, thank you so much. This thank has you. been what is this with yeah. Molly Mugreg. We'll see you guys next time. Cheers.